You are listening to Working File, a podcast about design practice and its relationship with the world. My name is Andy Mangold. And I'm Matt McInerney. On this episode, we talk about how we perceive our own skills and abilities and how we present that to the outside world. Tell everyone you're great at everything. Can't go wrong. Are we doing it? We're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing a podcast. Matt, you're back. We missed you so much. Thanks. Wait, where were you, Matt? I was in New Zealand for two weeks. Wow, that's amazing. Which is far away. D- yeah, that, that sounds like a ways to go. On your official marriage trip, right? Yeah, that's what, is that what you call it? I think so. A marriage journey? A matrimony journey? That sounds right. You might have to look like it up. Like a quest? That sounds right. Yeah, I think it's called a quest. Did you go to the Lord of the Rings cave? I don't remember what it was. We did go to the Lord of the Rings okay. cave. It's like my it's one more, New Zealand thing that I remember. It's more of a mountain with houses and stuff, but yeah, we went to the Lord of the okay, Rings cave. Okay, we're thinking of, of different caves then. <laughs> Never mind. Her cave is not a mountain. I am here in the studio uh, with Victoria, who is a returning contributor. So welcome, Victoria. Hi. And we're also joined for the first time by new contributor, Daisy. Daisy, you're coming to us from your comfy chair in your apartment? I am here in Boston. It's great to be here. Cambridge. Cambridge. <laughs> That, think, that was quick. I'm picking up on the tone of this. She knows it's not Boston. Is that a thing? Is is there a whole thing between Cambridge and Boston? No, they are two very distinct entities. It's just that, you know, Boston or Cambridge, neither are particularly important, so it doesn't matter. I have a friend who lives <laughs> so in true. Queens, and he always says he lives in Brooklyn, and I always make sure to correct him. Is it like one of those things? I don't know, Victoria, is it? It's a little bit like one of those things, except, I don't know, I never lived in Boston. I only lived in Cambridge, but it's like where people do People that haven't lived there think that they're the same thing. So I'm telling people mm. that they're two different cities. <laughs> this is an informational show. To be fair, I grew up in Western Mass, and I would say that, and people were like, oh, you mean Boston? Which is <laughs> slightly more far away. What'd you say to that? Uh, I say Cambridge. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to respect whatever terminology Daisy uses for her location, because uh, <laughs> she's the one there. She gets to decide where she is. And uh, yeah, that works for me. I think it's also important to draw a distinction between Cambridge, Massachusetts and Cambridge in the UK. So, you know, Boston is just a little bit. (laughs) No one's getting those confused. (laughs) We've had one contributor from the UK. That kind of that's an important distinction to make. Maybe I could put on my accent and it would get extra confusing. Don't do it. I I hear that only happens when you get drunk. I can make that happen. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, So so put on your accent. You mean uh, glug, glug, glug. Put on the accent. (laughs) Yeah, that's the exact sequence of events. Uh, Victoria, do you want to introduce the topic tonight? Because this is kind of something you had oh mentioned. Oh my gosh. Uh, I put, I'm putting you on the spot. I did not I prepare like, you for you, this. You did not prepare me for this. I like, yeah. I barely could introduce Daisy, but then instead I ragged on her for like two minutes about Cambridge. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a, um, that's a relevant introduction. Now people have a good sense for your dynamic. Oh, it feels friendly. No, mm-mm, mm-mm. We're really coming through the airwaves to people and just, you know, getting right in their living room with them. All right. Well, tonight... We're going to be discussing uh, all sorts of topics around the idea of getting a job. And specifically, uh, Victoria has mentioned that she and Daisy have kind of a history in their careers of applying for a job that maybe on paper they don't like 100% meet the qualifications for, uh, and then kind of learning on the job, uh, presumably to get to the point where you are in fact qualified and can do the job in which you have been hired to do. And there's all kinds of ideas kind of wrapped up in that. Um, maybe the best way to start is just to, uh, from Daisy first, just hear what your career path has been. Uh, like for people that don't know you, what, what, is, uh, what, what Daisy do? What do Daisy do? Um, 
Ah, uh, I can tell you my tale of woe. Well, it it I did not major in anything remotely close, well, close-ish to graphic design. I majored in industrial design, which basically meant a lot of time uh, in a wood shop, getting wood chips in all the crevices on my body. And it's true. It's just, it was a lot. Um, and uh, I don't know, after, there's, there's not a whole lot of jobs available that involve getting wood chips in all the crevices of your body. People don't generally pay you for that. And uh, it, <laughs> not the kinds you were looking for. Not the kinds I was looking for. There are a lot of jobs, actually. Craigslist is a good place to look. Um, but, you know, towards the end of senior year, you sort of just do a panic and realize that you have no marketable skills whatsoever and just apply to every single little thing uh, that shows up in your inbox. Um, and that's sort of what I did. And so where did you end up working out of school? And are you still working there now? How oh, many, God, What no. are the jobs you've had? Uh, I have had <laughs> I've had four jobs in four years. So uh, we'll see if I keep that record up. Um, I started out working at this horrific sweatshop of a place that was a consultant's uh, in Waltham, Massachusetts. And it did most of its work in China. So it was really kind of uh, not a... Not a it was educational. It was getting kids to go to international schools or something. What Why do you it? know more about my job than I know about my job? I'm trying to retain She's information. She's a good listener. I'm doing okay. And you were doing what for them? I was doing uh, nominally web design for them. Uh, but in practice... See, that I didn't know. Oh, yeah, see. Uh, but in practice, it just meant making lots of like shitty brochures and email templates and whatever else they sort of wanted to throw at us. Uh, we were sort of like in a fake marketing and design department that really didn't do anything legitimate whatsoever. Um, so, so overall, good experience then. Very positive. Oh, yeah. Super positive. Super positive. <laughs> you know, a lot of it was just sort of nobody there really knew how to make a good website or a good printed material or... Including you. Including me. Sorry. Including I'll stop me. Stop doing these bars. Deep burns coming from Victoria over here. Ah, uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm super used to this, unfortunately. So, in terms of like learning on the job there, uh, that was just sort of like spending a lot of time trying to go backwards and get the graphic design education that I didn't really have, just by looking at websites and looking at work that I did like, and just trying to. Get somewhere halfway competent with that. So am I correct in assuming that maybe the way that you got this job, despite not having formally studied graphic design or web design at all, was just that these people also didn't know how to make a website? Correct. So they didn't know how to sniff it out in you? <laughs> correct. That is correct. I had, all right. I had design works. in my degree name. I went to a design school. There's, there's the word design in the There's the word name. design in it. If, if I, I'm trying to remember what my portfolio looks like at that point in time, and I'm sure it was horrific. I bet it wasn't that bad. Um, so I had like maybe one or two pieces that were sort of graphic design related, and then the rest of it was just like blocks of wood put in various shapes. Um, <laughs> you can sit on this block of wood. Yeah. You can't sit on this block of wood. This block of wood is not for sitting, not even a little. <laughs> And then, wait, wait, I'm going to keep this moving. Where'd you go next? Say it, say it. Oh my God, you're not going to make me say it out loud. Um, no, you have to. It's it's not, <laughs> I want to preface this by saying- You can't I did, preface this, you can't- No, 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 I'm going to preface it by saying I did not work at Snapchat, which is what <laughs> okay. you're going to think I worked at, but I worked at a place 
that rhymes very, very closely with Snapchat. I've already forgotten what it is because I only remember the jokes. It's cat flap. No, it's not. What is it? Flapjack. Fla- it was flapjack, actually. Butt sack. It was, it was actually flapjack? No, it was not flapjack. Um, <laughs> it, What's snap happening? Butt. It's snap butt. This is all of a sudden an episode of the flop house. Hap tap. Um, <laughs> Sorry, please tell me what it is. I'm losing it. It was snap app. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> see, see how that's easy and fun to riff off yeah, of? Yeah, snap app. That's Which uh, is why it required the preface, because you were like, oh, you worked at Snapchat. Was, I did not work at Snapchat. And that was sort of, I was the only designer there, and I only worked there for six months. But that was definitely a job that I was heavily unqualified for. Um, <laughs> so how'd you get that one? I don't really have a good answer for you. Okay. I guess you don't really know, right? I don't you, really you, would, know. you didn't it decide to hire you, so. I don't really know. Um, I think this is also a situation where the people there don't know what good design is. Because again, I was the only designer there. I was working under the director of marketing. Like he doesn't know what, good design was i just i i got to the place i am by being an incompetent person working for incompetent people have you since worked somewhere where they know what a design is so after uh cat flap i worked at <laughs> wayfair flat pop <laughs> hat pack um I, I worked at wayfair where there was like a pretty well-established design department um yeah, it's a big company. It's, yeah, it's a, a big, big company. e-commerce it's company for people pretty... that don't know what Wayfair is. That's a, that's a very big website that sells things. Right. It's It's got a, a zillion things home, I believe, is the jingle. Um, so, you know, there's a... That's not a jingle. Sorry, go on. Do you want me to sing it? Yeah. Yes. No. Um... <laughs> okay. Was that, was that whole thing a setup to get you to sing it? <laughs> so... Uh... This whole episode? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it still haunts me in my dreams, that jingle sometimes. Um, All right, fine. I'll look it up later. Keep going. Yeah, I'll send you the YouTube video. Um, so there was a pretty established design department there. Um, I want to say like uh, 60 to 70 designers, ranging from product designers to like marketing email people, uh, mm-hmm. creative director, product director, pretty, you know, legit place. Um, and I got there off the back of the work that I had done at SnackTap. And the stuff that I had done there was pretty much just me improvising off of a not particularly good product, making it look reasonably presentable in my portfolio by emulating people who actually knew what they were doing and making it look like a facsimile of that. Of course, Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't actually good, robust designs in retrospect, and I think I knew that at the time. Um, But they looked good enough within a portfolio that had other design work from my time at the consulting place um, that it was good enough to get me a product designer job at Wayfair. Moving on up. Yeah. This is a, you're climbing this ladder very quickly. At this rate, you're going to be like the CEO of the next big startup in a, in a couple of years. Yeah. No, now she, now she works for all the Democrats and next she's going to be president. Next I'm going to be we president. Go. That's the other ladder you're climbing. So, so this job relative to the others, did this, was this a more satisfying creatively job? Did you feel like the work you were doing was more challenging and higher quality and you got actually kind of pushed? It sounds like the other places weren't really challenging you in that sense. The work just, you felt like, was kind of throwaway. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, I wasn't really working with other designers at the previous two places that I'd worked. 
Um, I didn't work under a person who knew what they were doing. Um, and that was very different at Wayfair where, you know, there are like experienced designers and a real creative director and all of that. And people actually yeah. critiqued work and talked about it and what was bad and what was good. Um, yeah, definitely. So now you're no longer working for Wayfair. I am not. Uh, as Victoria says, you're working for the Democrats. Not uh, really. What, what exactly are you doing? <laughs> Uh, good question. Uh, I'm a product designer working at NGP Van, which is a software company that makes uh, basically software for uh, political campaigns and nonprofits, uh, mainly the Democrats. Did you feel qualified for this job when you applied for it? Yeah, I think I did, actually. Did you, in a sense, feel qualified for all of the jobs? I mean, in a sense... I was. Well, because I mean, none yeah, of them were really legit, and I wasn't legit. So it lined well, yeah. up. Yeah, it, it I, right. matched up in the uh, right. I think it, I think at Wayfair that was definitely a stretch, and there was a lot of fakery that went on in that process. Um, you know, I remember a lot of pointed questions in the interview process. They were like, "So you worked at Hacktap for?" Six months. How's that going? You've worked at Hacky Sack for Hacky six months. Hacky Sack at... No, it's two syllables, Andy. <laughs> we have to stick with sorry, the formula. Um, this is new to me. Right. So um, so at that point, I had been... When I was interviewing at Wayfair for a product designer job, I had been working as a product designer for maybe four months. <laughs> okay. Um, I, mean, I mean, it's worth noting... This is that's about the length of a lot of these new kind of uh, alternative education programs that are like boot camps to get you to become a product designer or boot camps to get you to become a software developer. They are anywhere between three and six months. So, I mean, that's not like an insane amount of time to learn a thing, I don't think. And also you like rose through the ranks pretty quickly. Like you were interviewing people at Wayfair. Well, yeah, <laughs> like, everyone the does end that of your at tenure. Wayfair. You know what? Don't take this away from me. This You're is right, like a lofty yeah. goal for me. Okay. You've never interviewed someone before? No, why would I do that? I don't know. I just figured you would. Uh, wow. Okay, thanks. Well, no, I, good questions. You're, you're a you're good like, listener. Your judgment is sound. You'd be a good interviewer. Oh, no. I thought you just meant... And she's talking like, oh, I thought that you would have like worked up to that. Well, no, because well, I consider you more... <laughs> not established, but like you've been working a legit job for longer than I've been working a legit job. Yeah, but it was a legit, a legit job that they like specifically hired me to train me for. Right. Yeah, so I want to cover one thing before we go to Victoria's uh, job history, because I want to talk about that too. Um, the other thing I want to say is that you mentioned that while you were working at Wayfair, you were very much like emulating work that you knew to be good, even if maybe the sort of underpinnings weren't there for the sort of critical thought behind it or sort of the, the process behind the work. Uh, and yeah, I think you know this, but to point out to the listeners, like that's how everybody learns how to design, right? Like when you're a student, you do that. If you're in school, uh, when you're early in your career, you do that because before you learn how to do anything, the sort of quote-unquote right way you always start by emulating so um, i felt like you kind of said that with like a, a derogatory sense like oh, i was just i was just copying work that i thought was good but but we went to a very expensive school we so went to a like, very Aah! expensive school it was very expensive i'd also like to point out that there's a difference between making good work that is sound and good for the user and like actually a good product versus making something that can sort of pass muster in a portfolio. Yeah. I think those are two very, very different skills. And I had one of them pretty down in terms of like making myself look reasonably presentable and having it look flashy mm. and professional uh, versus the one that gets your foot actually in the door. having a good designed product. 
yeah, and the other thing I want to mention is that, uh, you know, I, I, I know you, Daisy. Victoria knows you. I think uh, you're very charismatic. I would expect you're a good interviewer. Oh, I'm a baller rather. interviewer. <laughs> so See, this, is... <laughs> this is probably an, another important factor. It's probably another important factor to getting the uh, jobs that you felt unqualified for is probably carrying yourself with a fair amount of confidence, uh, having the sort of persona to go into a room and convince these people that like, wow, this person really feels competent even if I don't see it in the portfolio or whatever. Oh, absolutely. Um, My one failed interview where the job disappeared after, uh, you know, they interviewed me, I'd gone through the process and it turned out they didn't have it in the budget. They like emailed me back and were like, you are absolutely amazing at interviewing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so that's that's a good thing to mention here too, as people out there may be listening and thinking about uh, their own prospects applying for a job they don't meet all the qualifications for. Uh, I think charisma will help you. We'll go, go a long way. Well, but what? How? How to have? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Daisy could probably could probably do a better job of telling you how to have charisma than I could. But let's go to your what? career path, Victoria. Oh. Okay. Um, I'm curious to understand because I know that you have worked for the same place since graduation. That is not true. Okay, almost. I do true. not know. Chihuahua. No, Chihuahua. I- Sorry. Yes, thank thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, no, I well, okay. I thought of this uh, as a topic for a podcast because like it's what I did right out of college, and it's what Daisy did right out of college, and Daisy just like kept doing it, and I like caught a weird break instead, um, where I didn't have to exactly fake it, and they just taught me anyway. Um, so when so I studied illustration, which I don't have something like wood chips in all of my crevices to talk about paint I, under I guess, your fingernails maybe no you could really opt out of that pretty early on um an but, unused wacom tablet in your in your closet <laughs> wacom no wacom oh is it wacom i have no idea but i've only heard the latter oh, well i've only heard the former well all right <laughs> so i'll fight there. you later um you say wacom i say wacom yes a wacom a wacom hey continue you good okay <laughs> yes um so I studied illustration which was uh not for me which I knew at the time uh and it sucked I used to I used to spend Daisy mentioned Craigslist and I almost like made a noise like I used to spend a lot of time on Craigslist just like knowing how what little job prospects I would have um because I don't know why I thought that was like a good indicator but it was um but and also just like in my time in school the graphic design department it was they were so intimidating and like it felt like the way that they talked about it um maybe this was just at my school and where daisy also went to school um they talked about graphic design like it was something that that like no one else could possibly fathom like all the so many things that they knew did you get that impression days oh absolutely it was like a lot of mysticism and <laughs> yeah no that's I, just almost a of shit pompous religiosity about it where it's like no one can possibly know this and it cannot be explained either. So I don't know what they right. were doing in lecture because... I don't know. It was, sounds fun, but um, I was just... They were talking about it like like they couldn't get jobs after school. So I'm like, how am I going to get their jobs? That's that's going to be hard. So I... Um, I when we were graduating, um, I went where I thought that there would be a non-zero chance that someone would hire me. And um, that was New York and specifically newyork.craigslist.com. And... <laughs> Everyone's favorite part I, of New York. I know. Yeah. You, if you, who's from there? I don't know. Not the guy from Queens. Um, and I ended up with... Burn, Mark. Okay. I don't... 
I ended up with this uh, <laughs> $20 an hour job um, designing all kinds of for luxury brands for this dude named James who uh, worked in a studio that it was like just me and him and there was like technically a window but there wasn't a lot of sunlight because it was like facing a courtyard um and so it's doing like and a chihuahua did i not already say that did no. I, I said it in my brain daisy said it a lot loudly she, but you didn't say anything about it so sorry uh there was a chihuahua <laughs> that would come hang out sometimes um so i wasn't like technically working alone so i was doing new york modeling agency comp cards those were fun jewelry billboards uh promo stuff for like i can't Remy Martin and Tiffany's and this there's this one French watch brand that I can't pronounce so stuff like that um oh and and lipstick packaging <laughs> she gasps because I would sometimes take the lipsticks with permission and give them to my friends uh so yeah it just felt like even though even though I was like earning very little money and that was not sustainable um I was just like hey, if I can get a job anywhere doing graphic design work when I have no training doing graphic design work, just like my letters that I draw for funds and what I've taught myself, um, and also most of the jobs that I will want in the future will also be in New York. So uh, I decided to move there for that one really low-paying job and give myself like a year. Um, so I did that. And it was just like this revelation of, um, even though it was pittance, like someone is paying me for design like I and I did like Daisy mentioned feel like I could take those things and like really swing my way into a better job the next time um so yeah that that's my no experience thing I can't stress enough how little I knew like I mostly knew how to use illustrator like that's it <laughs> So did you present your illustration portfolio to James, the mysterious James, uh, when you yes, when you James. applied to the job, or did you just show up and say had, like, yeah, here's my my Adobe <laughs> key, so you know I have the. It was like, I guess I had like some what you could call graphic design work and like a lot of lettering work because that's that was what I was really trying to swing. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, not a lot, and my website looked bad, and but and I had like only just barely uh figured out most of the adobe suite with like the people around me's help mm -hmm. and then so how long were you with james and the chihuahua uh, which is like my favorite <laughs> it's like james <laughs> it's like james and the giant peach but it's just james and the chihuahua yeah <laughs> how long were you with them? uh i was so i was only there six months before i um i was expecting to be there about a year um I, where i was just like i'm gonna find my footing and like get a better job in New York after that time but then I just happened to um be some one of my connections from college a college professor like heard that um I was looking for a better job at some point and he like really avidly advocated for me to come work to come train at his company font bureau in Boston and I was like what are the odds the one job that I would want that wasn't in New York huh um <laughs> So that was really, uh, that wasn't, I can't really take credit for that. That was a privilege of the school that I went to, that I had that connection that hooked me up with that. Um, so those are my stories of not and being qualified. So, so that job uh, was to practice to become a type designer, which is something that you also had not studied formally, right? Like you didn't go to one right. of the master yeah, programs. No, I, I had <laughs> there was probably a couple of lettering courses maybe at, at your no, college, not, but no, but no, no, real, they, they no real fonts or anything like that. 
I had one six month course, but that was uh, the type design field used to be, as I understand it, a lot more like apprenticeship focused um, where people would do what they did for me, which is like, you know, hire someone and train them for about two years before they're like, you know, a full fledged, like know what they're doing person employee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're looking to hire no, a new know what you're doing person in yeah. our New York offices to come into the office every day and know what they're doing. You'd think you would think um, like that was learning on the job, but learning was my job also. Like it wasn't, yeah. you know, under the guise of like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Let me just quickly Google how to do that real quick. Yeah, you were not you weren't going into interviews and charismatically, you know, kind of brushing under the rug that maybe you had never actually done this before. That was on the table. And the sort of understanding was this is a learning position. And because your work shows promise or because you've shown a lot of interest right. in this, we feel like there's a lot of opportunity here yep. to kind of groom you for this position. Yeah. So that's that's where I fall off this topic. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's, interest, it's an interesting angle on it, right? Because that is, uh, and first of all, like a lot of jobs do work that way, right? Um, where you get hired explicitly knowing that you don't have the skills to perform the requirements of the job to the sort of quality that's required of you uh, at first, but... The understanding being that you will work and learn and sort of get to that point. Um, we've hired people here at Friends of the Web that when we hired them were junior, junior developers, right? They had maybe been through uh, just one like of these sort of boot camp courses. Maybe they just studied a little bit of computer science in college, but they hadn't really gotten any real world development uh, in any of their courses. And uh, we've taken on employees like that with the understanding that we are not going to expect you to be able to like work at the same level as a full-fledged know-what-you're-doing person uh, for a long time. But we still sort of value your perspective and you know we value having to teach somebody and, and value kind of the potential thing we could invest in this person um so it's it's interesting to me that uh that is a whole model right like a lot of industries do work that way you're going to be hired somewhere oh, yeah. as a junior designer um actually i kind of wanted to ask matt about this a little bit because matt you are in some ways the antithesis of uh the daisy story and the victoria story in that you went to school for a thing you got a very explicit degree in you studied it for four years then you got a job at a place where they explicitly were looking for people with that exact degree, kind of like, <laughs> kind of like, like, kind of like the ideal pipeline, right? Uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I guess so. I got the graphic design degree, and then I went and worked as an intern at a graphic design firm, and then they hired me as a graphic designer. And <laughs> weird. I guess all those terms, those terms just line right <laughs> up, don't they? So uh, my question for you, Matt, um, because I, I'm the odd person out here in that I've never actually even really applied for a job. My question is, when you wow. went, when you went into that job application, did you feel as if your education had prepared you as perfectly for that job as these lining up titles would describe? When, when I wanted to get the job or I was actually there and working? Uh, either. I'm, 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 I'm kind of trying to get in your headspace during the interview process the same way that Victoria and Daisy kind of explained their headspace during their various interview processes. Uh, like, did you go in the there and feel like, feel like this is my job? This is the job for me because it's got graphic design written on the piece of paper. I've got it on my piece of paper here. It's going to line up perfectly. I got all the skills. Or did you feel a sense of doubt and like you weren't necessarily qualified for it? Mm, I think I, I went in thinking this is probably a really hard thing to get. So this is probably going to be a really difficult interview process. And I think what I found out is that like there are a lot of interns that work at graphic design firms and then cycle through really quickly. Like, I think I was in the door pretty quickly without a whole lot of thought. I don't think it was all that rigorous that they were like, we have to make sure that your qualifications are X. They're like, I don't know, you might be here for three months and then you're gone. I think <laughs> the, the intimidating part was getting there and being like, oh, there's a lot of important stuff going on and nobody knows who I am and nobody even seems to care that much that I'm here. Huh, I better do some good work and stick around a little bit. Or there were, there, you know, 
the the New York internship thing, like I think I think it's just known that like you could you might be here for a second. There's not a huge commitment here, and uh, I don't know. Which to was, me is kind of like the uh, it's like the trashier, less respectful version of the thing Victoria's describing, where you hire somebody and teach them to do a job. Where it's like, eh, we'll hire you kind of and pay you like barely to see if you can do the job, and then maybe you can get in the door to the real the real kind of career after that. Um, but it's a similar kind of like process of evaluating somebody so like i didn't i wasn't uh it was a place i really wanted to work so i was nervous for that reason like going into it but i think i quickly realized like oh i could be anyone so i think i was more i had to really prove myself once off. i was there i had to prove myself once i was there as opposed to prove that i was allowed to get in the door sure well you say you say i'm the exact opposite but then i feel like after that job when i was there for a very long period of time and i was like oh i know what i'm doing i've been here for like five years i'm <laughs> I'm probably good at this now. Where did that time go, Matt? <laughs> I know it took it took a second. Matt's uh, old, very old. Uh, but then I then I did a thing after that where I was totally unqualified. Uh, I said, "Oh, I think I can I can help my friends run a company. This is a great idea." Which uh, turns out you're never qualified for that one. So I think I've had a little bit of both, just in a different way. Mm-hmm. And Andy, you ju- took the extreme jump of saying right out of college, "Oh, I think I can run a company." Yeah, and. Uh, are, so are you like the most extreme version of I'm not qualified for this? Well, maybe. Um, the, the pros and cons, the trade-offs of entrepreneurship are that anybody that does it is qualified to do it, right? There's no, there are no actual qualifications. There's just the real world and you will fail. And there's nobody explained anywhere or taught you how to do it. I guess business school teaches you how to do that. That's actually a I was going to say, it seems like there are <laughs> qualifications, but you just, I guess you can I do I always forget business school to. exists and is an option. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, so there's a couple interesting angles on this I want to kind of cover. Um, one of them is just the relationship between this sort of approach to getting jobs and higher education, right? Um, I think, Victoria, you had mentioned that like you paid a lot of money for school and you felt like you had no job prospects coming out and were totally on your own and had to retreat to Craigslist to try and find something that would pay you anything to do the things you were good at. Um, Phrasing. What? Okay, sure, sure, sure. Uh, you you felt like you had to resort to Craigslist to... Uh, Market your creative services to people hiring for creative services. Um, so this is a question for Daisy, too, whoever wants to kind of jump in. Uh, what, what was missing from the higher education experience that sort of made you feel like the things you were skilled to do, there were no jobs in? Was it just that no one told you that it's very difficult to make it as a freelance illustrator or that no one told you that there are very few jobs for woodblock shape maker? Uh, didn't want to do it. So, it was, <laughs> so this was not a gripe this with... Is, no, this is... Uh, well, I mean, I have gripes with like how, how uh, solidly the divisions between what you can study were drawn, but um, no, it was, it was mostly on me that I picked the wrong thing, and I don't know who... Uh. I also picked the wrong thing, I think. It's really hard. Um, I, I always kind of felt lucky because I did not pick the right thing for any like process where like I thought really hard about it and figured out what the right thing was I just totally oh yeah no fell same backwards. but that's how that's how we ended up here but the thing is like I just fell backwards and I'm like oh this is the thing I happened to end up doing and it turns out I actually really like it and I'm happy to do it for my career uh, but it was just a stroke of luck uh, and I think from talking to people my peers when I was going through college I think that was a very similar experience right like ah either I picked the wrong thing oops and the sort of the uh, the thing about college is that for better or worse, it puts you on a track for the time you're there. 
and it feels like if you just do the next thing in line, the next domino will fall and you'll continue progressing, which I think makes it very easy if you end up on the wrong track. You're like, well, at least it's a track and you just kind of keep chugging along. It's like a painful track, though. I don't know. I mean, I think I think at our very, very expensive snooty school, there definitely was more of, like Victoria said, there were very, very strict divisions between each of the fields. And within each one, but especially in graphic design. And and I also want to note that when Victoria pitched this uh, show topic to me, she said that all we were going to do was just dunk on all the graphic design majors at our school, so I'm going to proceed to do that. Um, there it's okay, they don't listen, they're too good. <laughs> there's, there's definitely, um, like I said, the mysticism and religiosity surrounding graphic design, it made it sound like something that not everyone can do. And now that I'm working within the field, I feel like, as Victoria and I were talking earlier today, like a dog with thumbs could probably do this job. If it... <laughs> she likes to say that. <laughs> the thumbs are important, though. I feel like the point of the show is to really keep that mysticism alive so no one else can get in. So I feel like you're really blowing it for everybody. Right. Well, well, here's, Dogs with thumbs. Here's the thing that happened is like, you know, I did like some really bad graphic design work in high school. And that is, and at the time, you think that's like a totally legitimate thing. I did something in Photoshop with a pirated copy, and that's like what graphic design is, and it feels super accessible. And then you get to school, and you spend a lot of money, and then somebody says to you, oh, my 12-year-old niece can totally do that. It is totally a graphic designer, and you kind of have to like swing the pendulum really far the other way as a <laughs> reactionary measure to be like, no, 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 no. This is like super difficult, like... Not everyone can do this. Uh, you have to be trained for like eight years in a monastery to be able to lay things out on a grid. Um, so this is interesting to me. I have to confess, I this idea that like graphic design feels like this gated off, like mystical place where only some people can do it. Based we're talking on... about our scholarly upbringing, but yeah, no, go it's on. sure. I mean, I, I I'm just saying that that thing I never felt, which could be that it wasn't just a th it wasn't a thing where I went to school. You were the one doing it, or it could be that, <laughs> or no, or, or it could be that. You're it the monk that, you know, in the you... monastery, or the, the fish doesn't know the water from which it swims, or whatever. Um, the dog doesn't know its own thumbs. I can't bring that in there. So I, 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 want, I want to get to like what it is about graphic design that. Uh, you, Victoria and Daisy, feel like puts it in that in that sort of place. But first, I do want to point out that I think uh, this is definitely 100% true of anything taught at a higher education institution, right? Because oh, yeah. mm -hmm. there's all these things built into the system that have to explicitly or implicitly apply some value to what they're teaching you. Otherwise, they can't convince you to spend $40,000 a year and four years of your life learning how to like make really good shapes. I mean, like <laughs> really good shapes and colors. It's a pyramid scheme. Um, I mean, it, it's... I don't want to like go too extreme with it, but there's definitely if if that system was not self-propagating, then it would not be as successful and dominating uh, in like our country as it is today, because it has to sort of continue to convince people that this is difficult. And no, your 12 year old niece can't do it because if she could, then why are people paying us money to do this? Um, and you know, from my position, hey, in the wait a minute, why are people paying us money to do That's this? That's such a oh good question. I mean, it, it is. And I will say from my position in the like graphic design world, uh, I always felt kind of like the opposite. I felt like any fine art thing, you needed some like uh, undefinable spark. You needed like a voice of a thing you had you wanted to say in order to do that well, which I never felt like I had. Like I, you know, I grew up drawing. I ended up at art school because I loved drawing and painting and, you know, sculpture. But I was just good at drawing in the sense that like you plop some fruit on a table and I could like 
take a pencil and make it really look like that fruit on on a piece of paper. Like that was what I was good at. Uh, I never felt like I had whatever this magical thing was that made people able to make this art that had this deeper meaning and expression that I, I felt like I was lacking this like spark. Uh, so I, I felt a similar way to your describing your graphic design to all the fine art things because once in, in the design world it was like you don't need any you don't have to bring some magical perspective or like interesting voice all you have to do is like here's a problem can you solve it with shapes and colors and type uh, which to me kind of like gave me that missing piece that I felt like I didn't have in in sort of the fine art world you're right I guess we hated the painting majors for different reasons We're I mean just gonna it's dunk on everybody who wasn't <laughs> us in well school. so I, I, Victoria and I are literally the only reasonable people that graduated from that entire institution. All right. (laughs) Hey, wait a minute. I'm not wrong. It's everyone else who is dumb. Exactly. Um, What a coincidence that we are the best. So weird. But that's... But that said, I also recognize that uh, graphic design is far from the most accessible profession in the world uh, by by a long stretch. And also, I am a white male that looks at all of the heroes and pillars of graphic design and just sees myself reflected in every single mirror of modernism and, you know, the Bauhaus and all of the sort of formational characters in the industry, which is a when problem. You, when you read a graphic design textbook, do you just think every picture is you? Is that what happens? <laughs> I mean, I'm, blind I'm, I'm, it's killer. <laughs> I'm pretty generic looking. So... So, I mean, I recognize that there are lots of other sort of systematic gatekeeping things that are going on there, but I'm, I'm curious if, Daisy and Victoria, if you can describe kind of some, what some of those sort of gates were. Like, what are the things that made graphic design feel so inaccessible, feel like it was this mystical thing? Other than the fact that most people that did it were like white dudes in black turtlenecks that were talking they about... They weren't even... Oh, oh, you mean the old people? I'm yeah. nearly talking, thinking about my peers. <laughs> yeah, when I think about my peers, I just think about like really cool people. Maybe we've just found a way to hate every type of person and all that's left is us. Other than <laughs> us. Um, and to be clear, like, I, I, I'm not trying to uh, say that your feelings don't make sense. I think they definitely do. I, I think it's also worth trying to figure out exactly why that is. And you know, one of the reasons, like I said, is just the, the history of design and the things that are taught as like the important foundational ideas are very myopic they're very coming from a very specific culture it's not just white male culture it's also uh you know western culture it's also uh you know modernism and all the ideas that are kind of contained in that morass uh and all of these things are treated as if they are the one true way right like this is, this is the graphic design way this is how you do it correctly and it's kind of it's sometimes oblivious to the greater world context around it and all sorts of, of vectors um <laughs> yeah there you go vector joke um <laughs> I think when we were in school, we were like, to some extent, lots of like most of the people in most of the majors had to at some point like lay out a poster for something. And like that wasn't true of uh, all of the majors. Not everyone went and made a sculpture in their senior year at some point. Um, And so it just felt like whenever we had to do that, I was so uncomfortable because I'm like, oh, I know that someone else knows the correct way to do this and I don't. And I would like ask my friends in graphic design, like, please, please help me. (laughs) Like, did I pick the right? I don't know. Um, it's just very nervous habit. I don't know. I don't like to be wrong. No, it's very interesting because what you're describing, I think it's definitely true, right? Like, uh, a pretty big group of the population ends up doing something over the course of their schooling or career that you could say resembles graphic design, right? Like somebody will mm-hmm. make a PowerPoint presentation for their, you know, for their big talk at the insurance company or people will make a flyer or an email template, like things that, you know, are supposed to be graphic design work, quote unquote, uh, but lots of people can do, which in some ways makes the profession more accessible. But you're saying basically because 
you were at some point forced to do graphic design, you were kind of uh, put under pressure to do this thing well, which kind of shined a light on the fact that you didn't study it, felt like you couldn't do it well. Whereas if someone had said, everybody has to make a figure sculpture for their, uh, for their, for this presentation next week. No, that I could do. You would have felt the same way about the figure <laughs> sculpture uh, department, possibly. I right. think for me, in my major industrial design, there were a lot of conflicts with the GD department, partly because there was a lot of fight, overlap fight, between fight. the two. Right. So, um, like, there was, to some degree, some dipping of the toes into user experience stuff in both industrial design and graphic design. I didn't do that because I was too busy making woodblocks. But there was sort of this area where it was like both of us were kind of doing the same thing but from very very product design a lot of design happening um no i said product design oh product design never mind sorry it well yeah both of them were sort of doing uh product design and graphic design i don't want to say they were coming at it from like a snooty and practical standpoint but since we're already dunking on them i'm gonna say that's what they were doing um dunk versus it wasn't a particularly good dunk but Versus, no. I'm trying to <laughs> Better be your luck hype next man. time. Thank you. Thinks when you dunk, you yell dunk. Yeah, you have to yell dunk when you slam is. it in the hoop. Dunk. Uh, versus, like the more I, I want to say, like usability, producty focus of the industrial design department. And I think we both sort of looked down our noses. I, I guess we were sort of snooty. How do you both simultaneously look down your noses at each other? Really strange. No, just line up the noses. Yeah, just. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> I'm doing it. Yeah, I mean, I think all of these programs, and I'm sure lots of programs outside of the creative world too, they definitely breed this kind of like tribalism where it's like, ah, we are studying the correct version of this thing, right? Like right. all over there, the graphic designers are too concerned with, you know, frivolous, shallow uh, aesthetics. But over here in the industrial design, we care about how this chair works and whether it stands up and all these other things. And the graphic designers are like, oh, they're just over there reinventing the chair a million times. But over here in graphic design, we are creating visual culture and we're establishing the tone and language that will be forever recorded in history. And, you know, everyone has this kind of inflated sense that their tribe is doing the correct and right thing. But then, but then here's the thing. Here's the thing. We, Daisy and I went out and immediately got jobs designing things and not necessarily all of them did. I've been just waiting the whole episode. It's that. true. We got More graphic dunks. design dunks, jobs dunks, 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 dunks. before the graphic Te- designers. Technically graphic design but, jobs. They were bad, but well, they were they, I, they I probably looked at James and the Chihuahua. Really low standards. I was right. going to say, they, yeah. they probably looked at James and the Chihuahua and said, no, 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 I know the Swiss, oh, the Swiss champions. I yeah, can't no, possibly that's, work here. <laughs> what Daisy just said is like, that was crucial. We had very low standards. We were like, we really <laughs> want to be employed immediately after graduation. I really low didn't care like what it was. It. I, was I was applying to be a flight attendant around the same time. Really? Oh, that's oh, great. Man, I mean, you'd be really good at that. No, no, too short. You're, I, oh. I can't reach the top bins. It wouldn't work. Yeah, but why were you even doing that? I no. did pass I, the I height requirement. It. it was 5-1. I remember this very oh. clearly. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It could be a flight I'm attendant right now. I'm surprised that's not some kind of discrimination, but that's not for now. Oh, <laughs> for conversation no, I got fired from Ben and Jerry's because I was too short <laughs> to reach into the bottom tubs. I thought it was because you were too weak to scoop out the hearty flavor. Well, that too. Like, it's hard to get arm <laughs> leverage when you're too short to reach the bottom of the chest freezer. Oh, I didn't realize there was anything in the chest freezer. You were just like, I just couldn't with the ones with the New York Super Fun. Yeah, New York Super Fun is super f***ing hard. 
It's like a block of ice with chunks. It's and, and then you put it in the bottom of a chest freezer, and it's really hard to get like any leverage against the ice cream. I'm sorry. Yeah, so there, it's like get a block of ice with cream in it. <laughs> get her started on discrimination. What we're saying is graphic design. It's it's no ice cream scooping. No, that's really legitimately no. hard. <laughs> a dog couldn't. A dog with thumbs would have Your a really hard time doing it. Could hold the ice cream scooper, <laughs> but it could not. Could never must have the strength to scoop. So it sounds like one of the lessons here is at least. Uh, yeah, you described it as having impossibly low standards, which I don't want to encourage people listening to have impossibly low standards. But well, I, do I don't think, some think humility... it's necessarily a bad thing because, like, yeah. Most... So I, I mean, I say impossibly low standards, but I still think, like, ultimately, like, you learn more and do better with some really terrible job than you do just waiting around for Pentagram to hire you. You know? Wow. Sure. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Is that if not. We can kind of maybe reevaluate low standards to just be uh, a sense of humility, right? Like understanding that you can learn uh, all sorts of things from all sorts of contexts, and uh, you don't need to hold your skills and experience up on some pedestal uh, to have sort of a valuable experience at a job, uh, which seems like good takeaway for anybody listening, uh, regardless of their sort of situation. That was that was very diplomatically put. Thank you. <laughs> Diplomacy. Um, so. Are we encouraging people to apply for jobs that they don't feel qualified for? And I, I will say don't feel and also maybe are literally not qualified if we take the wording of the job description as word of law. Are we encouraging people to apply for those jobs that they don't meet the qualifications for? Duh. All they can say is no. Yeah, there's yeah. Like, literally no risk. And like you just get experience doing an interview that maybe sucked or maybe you were very charismatic and they had to turn you down because they didn't have funding. <laughs> yeah. And the thing I'll say is I've been on the other side of the table in terms of like I've tried to write job descriptions and uh, requirements for a job and I've interviewed people and writing the requirements for a job, uh, especially in any kind of industry that has any kind of creative hint to it or creative kind of bend to it is so, so difficult, right? Because what you really just want to write is we just want somebody that like cares and is like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and and is good at this and you can't yeah. write cares and is good at this in job requirements that doesn't really translate <laughs> totally so, you, so you have to assume like you're like okay well we want good at this does that mean five years of experience does that mean two years of experience does that mean 10 years of experience and the real answer is that there are people with one year of experience that are amazing at this thing because they took to it very naturally and their experience was uh, very sort of helpful and they learned from somebody very good and there are people with 10 years of experience that are still terrible at the thing they do because they never care and never tried to get better and were been in a bad job with uh, no good mentorship. Uh, so it's very difficult to kind of write that down. And that applies to everything, right? Um, like even relatively binary things like, do you know the software we use? Frankly, in a lot of situations, I don't care if you use different software. I just care that the outcome is something that works for us. So uh, I have never been frustrated that somebody applied for a job where they didn't meet the requirements for it when it was a job description that I wrote because I often felt like I just need to write this job description to appeal to the person I'm trying to speak to not to like select them from an advanced search query uh, where I can somehow describe all of their life experience and qualifications that will pick out the exact right people. I think um, also if you've ever read a job description, that question where you're like, do I want somebody with one year experience or five years of experience? They always just default to 10 years of experience. So nothing is realistic. Like. I mean, I've read entry-level position job uh, postings where it's just like, we want to make sure that they have 10 years of experience in all of these categories. You're like, that person doesn't exist. I feel like that's a whole other category of They're not going to apply for this job. Yeah. So 
So yeah, to to summarize that, absolutely apply for a job you don't feel qualified <laughs> for if you're interested in it. Because That's I would kind say of the game, isn't it? Well, yeah, I, I would say a large portion of the time, the people that wrote the job qualification list may not even mean to be deselecting you with their sort of requirements. Uh, they just don't know how to write down. We want somebody charismatic to come in here and sit with our chihuahua and you know, design some fashion labels. So, uh, yeah, I think that's an important thing to, to know if you've never been on the other side of the table that writing job descriptions is like near impossible. It's very difficult. Especially on Craigslist. They, don't sh- they just don't care. Um, but I think it takes like, and I'm still teasing this out of myself and the people around me, it takes a certain boldness to apply for that anyway. Boldness or desperation or both. Um, and I don't mean desperation like so I wasn't actually desperate for a job. Like I wasn't gonna be right. on the. It was fine. I have certain big, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Anxieties. No, 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 no. no I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I to have s- anxieties. Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's talk about our anxieties. I'm trying to. I'm trying to say. Um, I I had a big cushion to fall back on. Like I wasn't sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. desperate in that sense. But safety net. Thank you. Okay. A big net. Um, like a really big pillow. <laughs> still like just really wanting to you know not be looking for a job for very long certain amount of quote desperation and quote boldness but uh anyway i went off in the desperation part i was trying to ask like where does the boldness come from how do charisma not Mm. the charisma that was just a throwback to last but like well there is a shortcut and you can just lie about having charisma and being confident just yeah, pretend. no, no, I know, Just but I find I find you see other people doing. Not everyone can do that. Like yeah, Daisy, how did how did you it. get this way? Well, no, like I am this way also where I like I, I think I'm the best, but like You are the best. How? Time. Wait a minute, but I think I'm the best. How can we all be the best? Wait. How is this working? You are the fastest dog as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um I mean, Daisy, do you have any insight into that? Like uh how you kind of carry yourself with that kind of confidence when you're going to an interview where you know that if they could sniff the uh, lack of experience on you, they might turn you away? Um, I... This is so deeply ingrained in her being that she can't answer this question. <laughs> there, can I? The fish knows not the water in which it swims. Right. No, Sorry, go on. I'm just so devastatingly charming. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> We're not helping the listener. <laughs> I mean, part of it is... If anything, they don't like us more. <laughs> Listeners are now charmed completely, but they are not informed. I mean, I... It's not that I I think that I don't, I I do think it is a practiced skill being able to present an interview and do so in a way that doesn't come across as stiff. I think that is a practicable skill. And I do think that it is one of the primary things that I learned at our very expensive art school that is a skill that has translated well in my career. Um, who taught you that oh you had to make like presentations and shit didn't yeah, you? yeah we had to make like constant presentations and, like, uh, constant like pitches because it was like your product designers you're gonna sell things um huh i don't know just have like a couple good one-liners in the bag and then you're good this is you're like a weird pickup artist but for jobs <laughs> you're not qualified for you're like just nag them then then, then they'll want to hire you <laughs> Uh, <laughs> if you put on a cat in the hat hat, it really gets them. No, I'm curious about the hat. I have this line that I use. It's called peacocking. 
I've used What's this, the line? I've used this joke at every, and it's not even a joke because it's like not a good joke, but it's good for disarming. Future employers, stop listening right now. Yeah, stop listening because I'm going to use this line at every single thing. Like people <laughs> ask you like, so, you know, like what do you do in your spare time? And I just like answer boxed wine. And for some strange reason, people are very bowled over and charmed by that when I say boxed wine. <laughs> Matt's uh, laughing. <laughs> isn't that charming? Thanks, Matt. Um, and it was to the point where like I, I was at Wayfair and, and, you know, when I was leaving, you know, everyone signs like the card, it was like best wishes, you know, and the people I'd interviewed with like four or five people at the time, and they all remembered my boxed wine line. And they all just like signed my card, boxed wine, exclamation point, And that was it. Had you like not talked to them in that whole year? Or like, you know what I was like, I do not like talking to my coworkers. I'm great in interviews, yeah, but terrible in an office environment. Um, all right. You don't mention that in the interview. Future employers, stop listening. Turn off the podcast now. You are obligated by law. Yeah. No, you but have I to d- tell us if you're a cop. Well, I, I, I do think Okay, it was so one-liners. Like, from virtue of doing lots of presentations in school. And um, yeah. I also think that working other less, not menial jobs, but like I waitressed, I, you know, that aforementioned week at Ben and Jerry's. Um, customer it was ser- only a week. It right? was only a week. You know, customer service jobs will get you a long way in terms of learning how to speak to people like not a robot. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an interesting kind of relationship with this in that for the vast majority of my life and still to this day, I am able to carry myself with confidence. It comes naturally to me and it always has. Sometimes it is a problem in that I'm trying to present an idea in a way that I would like to express some doubt about my uh, my presentation, and yet I'm unable to because people just perceive confidence in uh, how I sort of behave in the world, which has been probably almost entirely just a privilege of mine that I can walk into a room uh, where I'm completely unqualified. And the examples that I can kind of relate this to here are when we were like pitching our early clients for our company, we had no experience doing anything. They were like, can you build an e-commerce website? We're like, absolutely, we can build one of those. It's what, a website where you sell stuff and there's a buy button? We could do that, no problem. <laughs> or do you have you ever done any data visualization? And we're like, sure, yeah, we made a graph once. We could do that for sure. Um, and that's something that uh, I've always been able to do is just walk into a room and be like, yeah, we can figure that out. We're good at that. Um, which... Uh, like I it's say, weird. Not everyone has that, right? No, and I say I have a conflicted relationship with it because... Uh, <laughs> As I've gotten older, I've started to suspect more and more that obviously the way it affects me outwardly in the world, it is primarily a good thing in that I'm able to convince people that the ideas I have and the capabilities I have are worthwhile and that has helped me immensely in my career and life. Uh, I've started to feel more and more as I've gotten older, like this innate thing in me is like bad for me, like existentially, like it's bad for Andy's sense of self and person to not have to uh, work uphill on these things. And uh, I often kind of feel like it's just, um, I don't know. It's something I've, I've come to like try and actively work against, right? I, I've I, tried to figure out the words I can say that people will not think that I have it all figured out and am you know, very confident in my solution to whatever the problem sort of at, at hand is. This is like the best problem I've ever heard. Well, no. It is. I mean, but, it is, but here's it is the like thing. a really good, well, I, I actually know, because I, I feel similarly about my, effortless charisma that I apparently have Um, because I actually had a professor give me feedback at one point that was basically like you know we would present before panels of people who weren't super familiar with their work and weren't like in on the process and like everyone who had seen my work along in the process like my professors and my peers generally weren't super impressed but if I have 
20 minutes to present before a panel of people who don't actually yeah. know anything about the work previously, they generally are really positive about it. And that was yep. feedback I got from my professors who's like, listen, your work actually isn't that good. It's not as good as the way that you're spinning it. <laughs> See, um, and I, sh I wish someone had told me that, but no one ever actually even told me that. I just, you know, uh, I was able to get through things in life without having to learn the skills I should have learned because I was able to package it up in this little confident package and give it to people. And here's what I can say. I don't know how to give this to somebody else uh, because it's so innate in me. And I also kind of don't want to give it to other people because I feel like in some people, it's a bad thing, right? Like the it, on my worst days, you can call me an arrogant you know, jerk because everything I say sounds like I, I know what I'm talking about and I'm a know-it-all. Even when I actually truly don't have confidence in what I'm saying, I can't avoid sounding like a know-it-all because that's just how things come out of my mouth. Um, so I, I decided to make a podcast. But <laughs> the, uh, the, the thing I'll say is uh, I don't know how to cultivate this in you, listener, dear listener, but I, I have a sense of how you could cultivate it in your friends and peers, which is to like support them. Be like utterly and completely supportive of the people in your life that you're close to and you care about because I... One of the big reasons I think I ended up the way that I did is that I always had the, like 110% support from my parents growing up in every creative thing I ever tried to do, right? I had some dumb idea to build a wooden robot in the backyard. They were like, awesome. This is going to be great. We're very excited for you. And the whole thing <laughs> failed because it's a horrible idea. I was not an engineer. I was 12. Uh, you know, whatever idea I had, I had complete support in. And I have to assume, you know, laying on the therapy couch, that's some one of the reasons why I am the way I am today. And so... If you can't give, give this ability to yourself, at least give it to your friends. Uh, tell them how great they are and talk about how... Be supportive in their work because maybe they will have that in the back of their head subconsciously when they go into the next job interview and will able, be able to carry themselves with the confidence that they're trying to kind of pull from inside themselves. And while you're at it, talk to yourself like you would talk to your best friend. Don't say mean things to yourself. <laughs> yeah, Victoria. Don't do that. Shut up, Daisy. <laughs> Victoria's been saying a lot of mean things to Daisy. I have to assume this is some kind of projection no. going on. No, no, that's just that's just what everyone says is like, you know, like when people are so critical of themselves, like don't you wouldn't say things to your friend that were that mean. Like, don't say that to yourself. Um, I can make fun of Daisy because I love her this much. And she knows it. And go to therapy. Oh, yeah, sure. Of course. Wait, we did this. Did this just morph into Dear Prudence? Maybe. But everyone should go to therapy. Good, good, One thing good. I have noticed in people who don't feel like they have the presenting skill or like confidently saying a skill, like a lot of the times the way it comes out is to preface and talk about all the ways that either the thing I'm presenting is is maybe not uh, up to par or like the the interview won't go well or whatever. And uh, I would just say skip that part. Like yeah. it's I don't think it's conscious, but I think you'll see that in a lot of people. They're just like, okay, before I get into this, I need to tell you this, 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 and this. And, uh, or apologize. Yeah, a lot of people apologize in advance for everything. This was and, one of the uh, only uh, like hard and fast rules for critique when uh, in some of the college courses I've taught is like you may not give us any context around the creation of this work whatsoever. Both, yeah, just both. Oh, I ran out of time part. last night and the paint didn't dry, or oh, I was really kind of upset when I was making this. <laughs> you know, we were talking about the work. We you, you may not give us context because you will either undermine yourself or you'll provide context that will not be there to support the work in the real world, and that's useless. I think that's the thing people miss is that even if it sounds like you're trying to make the work seem better given the context, you're always just making it worse. Pretty much. And even and if it's yourself, if you if it's yourself in an interview, you're just making yourself seem like a worse candidate, which is Right. Terrible. No, just like like say that to your friend say it to before yourself. or after. Say it to yourself yeah, before say it, keep the, it the in your head. Then, 
cut it out. <laughs> just don't yeah. say it. And then just say box wine whenever they <laughs> ask you a question in the interview. That's all you need to do. And no more. Like, no more. She was nice, but she seems like she has a problem. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It does uh, seem like it works to a lot. Of, the answer to a lot of questions. What's your greatest weakness? Box wine. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Come up with another Throw one. Throw me Matt. another one. Throw me another one. What's your greatest one? strength? Boxed wine. Boxed wine. Where do you, where do you see yourself in five years? Boxed wine. <laughs> oh, that's just sad. All right. Um, let's move on to the final sort of thoughts for everybody. Uh, I feel like I got my sort of final thoughts out. Um, Matt, I'll give you first crack. Do you have any final thoughts before we that close was, this episode up? That was up? my final thought. I said, just pretend. Throw away all the prefacing and just pretend that you're very confident. And even if you're not confident, people might believe you. And that's all you want. All right. Victoria, do you have any final thoughts to uh, wrap this up? Anything you didn't get to say that you really wanted to say? I just wanted to say um, what I was saying before about how heavily the lines are drawn in between um, what you study in college. And I feel like we're told in in just like quiet speaking in speaking tones, inside voices, like it doesn't matter in in design what your major is. Um, But then like there are megaphones everywhere that like everyone can hear and see that are like your major is your life forever. Um, So I just I I so 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 wish that someone had like had emphasized to me while I was studying that I could do whatever because that would have saved me a lot of angst. Um, I mean I f- I figured it out pretty quick, but like it there were a bad couple of years where I I didn't like what I was doing and I didn't know how I was going to get to do what I wanted to do. Um, and I wish someone had told me that I could. Daisy, put a bow on it. Can I just end this with boxed wine? <laughs> I mean, if you if you perfect. want to, that's kind of a perfect ending. <laughs> well, I mean, also, it, I I just want to glob onto what uh, Victoria is saying about like the clear divisions between the majors and all of that, and um, maybe this is the wrong message to send. But awesome, hit us. None of this stuff. Smoke works. cigarettes. <laughs> 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 they but, make you feel good. Yeah. Uh, I, I think something that has helped me feel more confident and have more confidence in the work I'm doing is reminding myself that none of what we're doing is actually that hard. Um, obviously, it requires training and we have an area of expertise and like our expertise should be valued and we should be paid lots of money for it and etc. But um, there's nothing out there that is so mystical that it's impossible to be learned. Um, You can learn everything on your own. You don't have to go to a super expensive snooty school to have the skill set to do what you're doing. Um, So, you know, just And we say that with a great deal of privilege that we had from going to the design school. But (laughs) we had a very, very nice design school that we were were very lucky to go to. Um, But, you know, again, dog with thumbs could have done it. So Daisy's closing remarks are, your job isn't actually that hard. Stop complaining. <laughs> it's easy. Well, it was either that or boxed wine, so. Either that or boxed yeah. wine. All right, we made a podcast. Good job, everybody. Yay, good job. Hey. Daisy, you were so good at your first podcast. Oh, thanks. Oh, it's over now. Okay. It comes <laughs> naturally natural to charisma. you. Um, do either of you have anything you want to promote? Daisy, you don't do any social media, right? No. <laughs> okay, so people can't... If people are listening and they're like, man... This woman is so charismatic. I just want more of her in my life. They have no option to acquire that. They just have to... You have to hound Andy and Matt to bring her back. I, I text all my garbage thoughts to Victoria. Uh, so, <laughs> so Victoria, do you, not, Victoria, do you want to make a Twitter account that's just things that Daisy texts you so people can follow that? Or I what? truly do not. <laughs> all right, good. Well, 
guess what, listener? You can't have more daisies. So uh, sunny days. Absence makes no. the heart. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Victoria, is there anything you want to promote? Do you have a family coming out anytime soon, or anything else exciting? A what? A family. Font family. I think it means a oh, you know, you know how you make, like, are you having? You know how you make font families? You just, like you started making my eye twitch thinking about like my literal family. I was like, what? Um, um. <laughs> Andy just turned into your parents. Are you having children anytime soon? Is that happening? I'm the not, classic I'm ending promise. to a podcast where you ask people how their how their life planning is going. Oh God! Follow Victoria on Twitter. Follow Victoria on Twitter. Um, it's. At Victoria Alicia, because my name isn't available. Um, Victoria, A-L-I-S-S-I-A. Wait, Victoria, can I promote your mom's food blog? Yeah, there you you go. That's what you can promote, Daisy. Do you remember what it is? It's a really good food blog. It's called foodlustpeoplelove.com, and Victoria designed the logo. And the fonts. She's using my fonts now. Oh, and the fonts. I only just recently fixed that because Dropbox changed their public folder where I was hosting the fonts. Shh. You can find out more about that on Twitter when you yep. follow Victoria Elisa. <laughs> Alicia. Alicia? Yeah, sorry. Did you say Elisa before, though? No, Alicia. Oh, goodness gracious. You All right, this podcast is over. Everyone yeah. did a great job. <laughs> All right. Thanks, as always, to XYZ Type for the transcripts. You can find them at xyztype.com. Follow the show on Twitter, at Working File. We've been posting a lot of polls, and we want to know your answers to those polls. At Working File. I said that. On Twitter. I said that. At WorkingFile.com slash Twitter. No, that's wrong. (laughs) 